0: I think research has to be trendy. It has to be sexy and it has to be inviting.
1: Sound Minds Radio, getting you behind the research and ideas in contemporary life. This episode produced by Michael Schubert. Sound Minds Radio, part of the Community Radio Network. Soundminds.com.au
0: I think research has to be trendy, it has to be sexy and it has to be inviting and and you need something that is going to catch people's attention. We know that pregnant women want physical activity advice, so we know that, but how do we then get them to find out more and how do we get that interest to convert in participation in a research study? I would say a fair portion of six months was spent on marketing and advertising and making sure we had a logo that was visually appealing and also very professional and almost looked commercial so that it was trustworthy. It was reliable.
1: Perhaps not what you'd expect from a researcher. Perhaps it sounded more like an entrepreneur. But hold on to that thought. Research is about getting something from someone, their data. And when it comes to working with the patients of general practitioners or public hospitals, And you work in a regional university, it's time to rethink the engagement. That's what Dr Melanie Heyman has done.
0: We, We went to extreme lengths to have our medical practitioners within that recruitment catchment on board with our research. So I met up with some of the local practitioners and said, this is what our study is, this is what it's about. And I stepped them through the intervention so that they were then comfortable endorsing it to their pregnant women So we had their support, we had the community support, and then we also had Sophia.
1: Sophia? We'll get to Sophia, but let's back up a bit. What we're talking about here is an innovative program for women to maintain their fitness during pregnancy, Fit for Two, with a series of innovative steps in the research paradigm.
0: It was part of my PhD, so it was my final randomised control trial. So it was an intervention, which was Fit for Two, That was an online web-based computer-tailored intervention for pregnant women, and we kept it a nice small sample size and we had fairly stringent eligibility criteria because we also had them wearing objective physical activity monitors to track their physical activity. It has the capacity to be a nationwide intervention for all pregnant women to be able to access at the same time. It's only a small study to start with because it's the first intervention that has ever been developed of its kind. Previously, we've had interventions that have attempted to change physical activity behaviours of pregnant women, and they have consisted of face-to-face interventions, online interventions, but it's never had that tailoring component. And that's the thing that makes our intervention very different to what's been previously done. Even though tailored interventions have been tested in other populations, They'd never been tested among a pregnant women population. That was what Fit for Two was. So it's different from other interventions in that it was completely delivered online and it provided that tailoring feature.
1: Now we are in the realm of online interventions about which there is a growing body of interest. Some research, some reservations, but huge potential if you get it right.
0: People say, oh, look, it's not face-to-face, so how can you have an impact? It provides a similar service as face-to-face does, but it's far more convenient, it's far more cost-effective, it's highly engaging, and it's far more feasible, and we can reach a national population at the click of one button compared to a clinician trying to talk to every single pregnant woman in the nation.
1: And if you're wondering how Melanie got into this line of research, here's how.
0: I was a pregnant woman myself, and coming from an exercise science background and living a very healthy, active lifestyle, I went in and said, okay, so I'm very fit, I'm very physically active, what can I and can't I do? My general practitioner said, oh, don't do anything, you're pregnant now, you probably shouldn't participate in any sort of physical activity. And I was kind of like, how does that make sense? Why would I not be participating in physical activity if I know that physical activity is good for us and it's associated with health benefits? Would it not be the same during pregnancy? I was really unsure about the advice that I received, so then I went to my obstetrician and I said, look, what should I and shouldn't I be doing? And at this stage, I was running 60K a week. used to love my running. Nothing better than to finish work with a 10K run. Just put, you know, put the music in the ears and just run.
1: I suppose you're wondering about the 10K run, but that's beside the point. The GP told Melanie to stop. But when Melanie consulted her obstetrician, he suggested she continue her current level of activity. And I didn't mention that included teaching pump classes at the local gym.
0: I literally sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, if I can be so confused and so frustrated with medical advice that I'm receiving, what about the 80, 90 other percent of pregnant women in Australia that don't have the exercise science background that I do? And that's what I think drove me to say, well, well, we need advice and we need guidance and we need to know what we can and can't do. And that's why I started the PhD.
1: With that in mind, one of the preliminary phases of Melanie's research was to find out how much the medical practitioners knew and why there was seemingly such a vast difference of opinion.
0: We know that medical practitioners can have such a significant influence not just on pregnant women, but on any population in general. There's really strong research that suggests that if a medical practitioner tells you to do something, you're far more likely to do it. If we have pregnant women and our medical practitioners aren't giving them the right advice then we're setting ourselves up for failure. We need to identify those groups that are influential during a woman's pregnancy and look at how we can help to educate them so that ultimately pregnant women are getting the right advice and are being encouraged to participate in physical activity during pregnancy. My research is supported by international research so my research was the first within an Australian population. Basically what it tells us is that medical practitioners often don't engage in physical activity recommendations or or counselling or offer advice for pregnant women. When they do it's often out of date or incorrect and not in accordance with evidence-based best practice recommendations and to be honest it's not surprising. Very few practitioners receive formal training Some really great research that's only just been released. The author did a number of series of studies looking at whether or not medical students across all different areas of the world were prepared to participate in physical activity counselling with patients. And this is in general population stuff. And the majority of the students said no, they weren't prepared to because they're not getting the necessary training to be able to engage in that activity. Whilst practitioners may not be engaging in these conversations with pregnant women or even with general population groups, you can't blame them. What we need to do is identify how we can support our medical practitioners and how we can get this evidence-based knowledge to our practitioners so that we can increase their confidence and increase their skills and their knowledge so that they can then offer that and pass that on to pregnant women.
1: The question then becomes, How do you research an intervention with pregnant women where a general practice or a hospital nursing unit is involved, without adding to or interfering with their workplace?
0: People get bombarded with research and research opportunities and we want to do this study and we want to do that study. You've only got so much time in the day and if if I'm, say for example, a nurse unit manager of a midwifery unit and, and I'm being approached by all of these different people, then I'm going to turn around and say, well, what can they do for me in return? You have to be proactive so you can turn around and approach them and say, look, this is what we can offer you if you can help us collect some research in a time-efficient manner that's going to ultimately not only benefit the midwives in the hospital, but benefit those pregnant women then that come in and actually see those midwives. So it's that ripple effect and it's trying to take really small, steady steps so that at the end of the day, we have evidence-based practice being implemented on that clinical level and it just becomes a part of routine care. So that's what my research is all about, about trying to embed and integrate fit for two into routine care so that in a couple of years time we don't see it as an intervention. We just see it as a part of practice and we just you know we we know that it works and we know that it's sustainable and and it just happens. The biggest limitations to Healthcare research or preventative health is that we find these great things and we develop these great products, but we don't know how to disseminate them. And we don't know how then to integrate them or embed them into routine care. And there's so much money spent on the research. But I think that the same amount of time, energy and effort also needs to be able to be spent on the dissemination of the research and the integration of the research into routine care how often do we look at dissemination in research budgets you know we we do our study we find the results and 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 that's almost it so how can we take that to the next step my next project that has already been funded looks at implementing our fit for two intervention into routine care so we've lined up six practices because again it's we want to keep it nice and small and scaled and controlled six practices and we've got three different intervention groups. So we've got no tailoring, just generic information, tailored information that is provided over the counter by the practitioner uh, administrative staff, and then tailored information that comes from the practitioner's hands with a practitioner endorsement. It's all about trying to integrate Fit for Two again into the routine care. So pregnant women will rock up for an appointment they'll be handed an iPad and then they complete a 15-minute survey whilst they wait in the clinic for their appointment. Because honestly, how often do you get in before 15 minutes? (laughs) That's part of it. That's just part of the process. So we utilise the fact that we've already got potential subjects in our recruitment venue in a time where they've really got nothing else to do other than scroll on Facebook or have a look on their phone because they're waiting anyway. So we tap into that period of time, ask them to complete a really brief survey that includes all of the pre-screening and eligibility criteria. So they complete the iPad, they return it to the counter and it will be an automatic process. So it will then tell the participant if they're in group one, which is the control group, to collect their physical activity information from over the counter. Then if it is tailored, They go back to the counter and the tailored information is automatically sent to a printer and it prints off. And then if it's the third group, they do exactly the same thing but instead of it being sent to the printer behind the reception desk, the physical activity plan that's personalised and tailored actually gets sent to a second printer which is in the practitioner's consultation room. So what happens then is the pregnant lady walks into a consultation, they chat about the consultation, the practitioner then says, here's your physical activity report, here's some of the key summary facts that we should talk about in this session right now. And then she walks away with a tailored, individualised and relevant physical activity plan that is specific to her and her physical activity.
1: This is win, win, win for research, for practice and for pregnant women. But... Perhaps you wondered about Sophia, who she is, and how she's involved. We have to go back to the entrepreneurial business model that permeates this whole research initiative and how Melanie recruited her original women from general practice clinics.
0: She was awesome. She's, she, I've actually still got cut out of Sophia sitting in my lounge room and she was standalone. She caught people's eye. It was easy for people to take a card and if they wanted to know more. And the business cards, the little cards were very sexy. They were black and white and grey and and themed so that everywhere they went, everything looked familiar. And it's about trying to create this brand awareness, but it's not brand awareness for a commercial product, but it's brand awareness for a research product.
1: Sophia, the seven-foot-high, cardboard cutout, hot, pink, pregnant woman. That's a whole new research paradigm. But the key question is, what happens next?
0: If we find that practitioners are happy and there were no issues from a perspective of implementation, feasibility, did it add additional stress to the receptionist, to the practitioner, all of that sort of stuff? If we get some really great results from that, then we could almost sell it as a package. We could turn around and say, if you want to be a part of this and you want to provide this service, then really all they need to do is make sure they've got a couple of iPad devices, and that's all it is. You know, it's something then that is really cost-effective for a long-time service and for the number of pregnant women that it could then impact.
1: You've been listening to another episode from Sound Minds Radio, produced for the Community Radio Network. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or visit our website, soundminds.com.au.